Hi, everybody. This is Jimmy DeYoung. Welcome to a 90-minute edition of Prophecy Today Weekend. So glad that you could join us. Hope you can be here for the entire 90 minutes. We've got our broadcast partners all over the world. We'll be talking with them, finding out information about current events. They will give you their insight and details behind all the headlines that you're hearing That way, you'll be able to come to a better understanding of how current events are actually setting the stage for Bible prophecy to be fulfilled. I'm in temporary studios here in Glendale, Maryland. We're in the Washington, D.C. area. I'll be speaking this weekend. We had a great opportunity last night, tonight at 7 o'clock at the Faith Independent Baptist Church in Glendale, Maryland. Love to have you come over. And then three sessions tomorrow, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, and six in the evening. A study of God's prophetic word in this key regional location in the Washington, D.C. area. Well, all of our broadcasters are standing by. Jim Jr. will join me at this broadcast table momentarily. He's got some questions from you, the listeners, and we'll be able to hopefully go to the Bible, find the answers, and give you some insight into these questions confronting you as it relates to Bible prophecy. That's a very favorite time of mine here on Prophecy Today. Well, let's go to our first broadcast partner, Ken Timmerman. He's back in the United States, very busy. He's just been able to release his brand new book. Ken, let's start with that. How's the release of the book going? Well, it's going great, Jimmy. Thank you. ISIS Begins. It's actually one of the first novels about the Iraq War. People can get it at your website or go to Amazon.com, can they not? Right. It, it, KenTimmerman.com, which is my website. You'll see a photograph of the cover. Just click on that. It takes you to Amazon. You can read the first chapter there online to get a feel for what it's like. I tell you what, don't dare read that first chapter unless you want to have to buy the book. It'll get you so excited, you'll have to read the entire book. Well, Ken, you have just returned from Europe. Vladimir Putin is making some arrangements to meet with a man, President Trump, who has been all week long very busy at the NATO summit with the European Union members. And Vladimir Putin is going to have talks with President Trump. But what's so interesting to me is that the president of Russia had a conversation, in fact brought him to Moscow, with uh, the opportunity to interact with the prime minister of Israel, Netanyahu, but also had conversations with King Abdullah. We talked about that last week, but as we get closer uh, to the summit there between Putin and Trump, these were two very important conversations as well, were they not? Well, yes, of course. And Putin, again, has become a power broker in the Middle East. This is the first time Russia has really had this type of influence since the depths of the Cold War, I'd say since the mid-1980s, actually. Uh, And Putin has very skillfully reinserted Russia into the Middle East. They now have revived their military bases in Syria. Just this past week, in fact, while President Trump was meeting with NATO allies in Brussels, the Russian Navy, their Mediterranean fleet, which had been virtually non-existent for decades, is back. They were holding uh, live firing exercises with cruise missiles off the coast of Syria. So the Russians are back, and that is, that is big news. 
I'm not sure it's particularly good news. Yeah, that is for sure. And uh, I'm sure those conversations between all three of these world leaders key to the future and what is going to take place. The focus on Iran, of course, and Syria, top of the agenda. And it's also very interesting to me that the defense minister there in Israel, Avigdor Lieberman, saying that pro-Iranian forces are actually setting up a terror infrastructure in the Syrian Golan Heights, that part of the Golan Heights that extends north of the border there with Syria and Israel, north into Syria. And at the same time up there, there's a top Iranian general who is saying, hey, we're going to wait right here. Our Islamic army is set awaiting a order to eradicate Israel. Boy, this is very interesting. Well, that's right. Things have gotten very, very hot. This is a frontier that has been calm up until a year ago uh, and calm since 1973. Uh, You know, the Israelis are up on the Golan Heights, so there is a buffer zone between the IDF and the Syrian forces, and there has been since 1973. And now, with the arrival of Hezbollah and the arrival of the Iranian uh, the Islamic Revolutionary Guards Corps troops in Syria. They have now moved into that area, into that buffer zone, so they are very close to the Israeli border. Lee Ibrahim was on the Israeli side this past week. He was looking at Iranian positions through binoculars. That's how close they are. And he was warning them that Israel will not allow them to operate on the Golan. And again, a little over a week ago, the Israelis launched another airstrike on a uh, Iranian air base in central Syria. Now, you mentioned the Iranian general, Hassan Salami. He is the deputy commander of the Revolutionary Guards, and he was talking about this new Islamic army, uh, including not just the Hezbollah troops in Syria, but including Afghans and Pakistanis and Iraqi troops who are there in Syria, now poised on Israel's border. Remember, we've talked a lot on the show, Jimmy, about opening up that that land bridge between Iran and uh, Lebanon, Syria, onto Israel's border. That's what he's talking about. Iran now has this presence, and he recognized Salami in his speech. He said Israel does not have any strategic depth and has admitted that Hezbollah has 100,000 missiles pointed at them. It's a threat. It was a pretty open threat to Israel. And Israel's going to have to deal with it, so thus they have sent a number of Israeli Defense Force soldiers into the Golden Heights. They're massed there for whatever may take place. And, in fact, that's moving toward that southeastern area of Syria where the civil war actually got underway about seven years ago. And that's been a good time for Bashar Assad. He's had... Most of the world against him, but he has been capable of getting the Russians, the Iranians, also Hezbollah, as you mentioned just a moment ago, some from out of Turkey as well, uh, to try to do what they needed to do to keep these forces, uh, the opposition, from taking him down. Now he's going to have to change his focus. It looks like he's coming pretty close to the end of that civil war. And so, as I understand it now, Bashar Assad is determined to make the Syrians hate Israel again, so that uh, because uh, Israel has been so open armed to take care of some of the Syrian refugees as well as Jordan. 
But now Assad has another task, make the Syrians hate Israel so he can lead that war against Israel and starting in the Golden Heights. Well, it's going to be interesting to see how successful he is. I tend to doubt it's going to work, Jimmy, because the type of uh, anti-Semitism and Israel bashing that Arab dictators have used traditionally has thrived in the darkness. has been able to thrive when the peoples of their countries do not have access either to Israeli individuals, to people, or to international news media. You mentioned that Israel has been taking in refugees. Uh, they have been providing medical services. They've been providing food, blankets. And so the, the Syrian refugees, who are tens of thousands of them, have had contact with Israelis. And guess what? They see that they are not uh, monsters with 10-inch horns, but real people who, who actually are compassionate, uh, friendly, and welcoming them with open arms, or at least trying to help them out with water, food, blankets, and things like that. So I think it's going to be hard for Assad uh, now that Syrians have had physical contact with Israelis to revive those ancient uh, hatreds. What do you know about this report coming out of the Middle East as well, Ken, that the Syrian Muslim Brotherhood, they of course started in Egypt, they have uh, their tentacles all across the Middle East, this Muslim Brotherhood group has uh, come to light in Syria, lashing out at not only Israel, but the United States as well. How significant is this? Well, it's very important, very significant indeed. People need to recognize, Jimmy, that the Muslim Brotherhood is not a peaceful, nonviolent political organization as they often pretend to be. They were involved in overthrowing Gaddafi in Libya, they have been involved in overthrowing Mubarak in Egypt. They ran the government in Egypt for a while while they were murdering Christians, murdering their opponents, uh, tearing down churches. They are a violent jihadi organization that seeks what all jihadi organizations seek, which is to impose Sharia law, first on Muslims, but then on everybody else. Uh, they have a special place for the people, the so-called people of the book, Jews and Christians in particular. They will allow us to convert to Islam or pay the jizya, which is a kind of head tax, and accept to be smitten at the neck, uh, to bow and mm. to accept domination by Muslims. That's what they want to do. We should never uh, be tricked by these kind of syrupy pronouncements that they like to make to Western reporters and to people like Barack Obama, that they are a peaceful political group. They are not. And it's dangerous to see them back in Syria, publicly talking about being back in Syria. They were there at the beginning of the Civil War, and they now would like to maneuver to be there at the end victorious. That's our ultimate goal. They're the granddaddy of all terrorist organizations. And one of their first students, a man named Yasser Arafat. That should give you all the commentary that you need. Ken, thank you so very much. Great report. Always wonderful insight. And from your background, uh, having written so many books, having traveled into the regions of the world we're discussing, it's just so important to have you here at our broadcast table. We'll do it again next week. Thank you so much, my good friend. Always my pleasure, Jimmy. God bless. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, it's a Middle East News update. David Dolan standing by. It's all ahead right here on Prophecy Today.
Once again, Prophecy Today presents the School of Prophets Conference, December 10th through the 13th at the Spring Hill Suites Hotel, along the shores of the beautiful Tennessee River in downtown Chattanooga, Tennessee. Join Dr. Jimmy DeYoung as he personally walks you through the Bible and helps you discover important prophetic passages from every book of the Old Testament. Dr. DeYoung will also look at the prophetic passages in the New Testament from the book of Acts right through the book of Jude. Dave James will present graphics and PowerPoint design with a special emphasis on teaching aids for pastors and Bible teachers. This course is great for pastors, teachers, secretaries, and IT professionals as you learn basic principles of graphic design focusing on composition, color, typography, and imaging. These meetings are more intimate because they're smaller in nature. There will be time for Q&A with the teachers and fellowship with participants. For more information, call 423-821-3635. Have you ever wanted to know more about God's plan for the future? Have you ever tried to understand prophetic passages in God's Word, like, say, the book of Revelation, and been frustrated at not being able to figure it out? Dr. Jimmy DeYoung's latest CD series, Keys for Unlocking God's Plan for the Future, will help you gain the ability to understand where to start in your study of prophecy and allow you to read God's Word in a new and exciting way. Understanding God's prophetic Word will allow you to live a pure and productive life until Jesus returns for the church. Keys will help you gain the tools you need to understand the end-time events as foretold in God's Word. Dr. DeYoung lays out a systematic approach to Bible prophecy for those who want to know God's plan for the future. Tracks included are A Roadmap Through the End Times, The Jew in Jerusalem, Daniel and the Antichrist, Ezekiel and Messiah's Temple, and Revelation and Babylon. To order your copy of Dr. Jimmy DeYoung's Keys for Unlocking God's Plan for the Future, visit our website at prophecytoday.com. Welcome back to Prophecy Today. Jimmy DeYoung here in Temporary Studios, as I've already mentioned. We're here in Glendale, Maryland, the Washington, D.C. area. Let's continue now talking with our broadcast partners. We bring to this broadcast table David Dolan with his Middle East News Update. A couple of items I want to bring together, David. Uh, there is a announcement from Avigdor Lieberman, who was the defense minister in Israel. He said that pro-Iranian forces are setting up terror infrastructure just north of the border with Syria and Israel in the Syrian portion of the Golan Heights. And meanwhile, there is an Iranian top general that's in Syria saying that they're waiting for the order to cross the border, come into Israel, and eradicate the Jewish state. Now, this is a pretty stark warning, is it not, David? And pretty intense at this point there in the Middle East. Very intense, Jimmy. Uh, He's a senior member of the radical Iranian forces, the Revolutionary Guard, they call themselves. And uh, it was an open, no attempt to hide uh, what the goal was to the destruction of Israel completely. He said, our forces are right there, they're ready to move at any time, and as you said, ready for that order. And he indicated that he believed that order would come. And he's a senior member of the general staff there, so he should know, indicating that the government of Iran, the radical Shiite Muslim regime that runs that country, has decided to go to war. And as I've been saying now for several months, Jimmy, they've been five years now building up their forces inside of Syria, aiding Syria, of course, mainly to vend off its Sunni Arab uh, enemies. 
and put down the revolt against the Assad regime, but all the while uh, putting their own infrastructure in place, setting up their own bases, air bases. Israel struck again. Uh, well, they didn't admit it was them, but we all know it was last uh, early this week, I should say, at the T4 base again, air base where Iran has its forces about uh, 10 miles out of Damascus. Uh, there was a drone shot down that was fired by either Syria or Iran into the Golan Heights, and uh, that happened. It's hot. It's a war, Jimmy, and uh, it has the potential to become a full-scale conflict at virtually any moment, as the general indicated, is all they have to do is get the order and go across. Now, there is heavy fighting going on today in Kenetra. The Syrians have begun their offensive there. The Israelis are on full alert against the possibility that that will uh, spill over into the northern Golan Heights. Meanwhile, in the southern Golan Heights, we have uh, Syrian refugees all over the place. Israel is uh, aiding many of them, uh, uh, letting some in for medical treatment and uh, shipping some supplies into them. Jordan's doing the same, but it's a very, very tense situation. Uh, heavy Russian involvement, Jimmy, and that is the reason that uh, Benjamin Netanyahu flew once again to Moscow to meet with Vladimir Putin to try to persuade him to call off the Iranians and the Hezbollah fighters that are down there to stop the heavy bombardments along the border and certainly to get Iran out of Syria. That's the goal. He stated that again, and that is the goal. But, of course, Israel's also preparing for war, Jimmy. Heavy fighting going on right along the Golan border. And, again, we've had reinforcements of Israeli military uh, units in the region this week, and that's an ongoing situation. David, you mentioned Kenetra. Are you talking about the community just two and a half miles north of the Israeli border? And you said conflict. Is Israel involved in that conflict there in Kenetra now? Not directly yet, Jimmy, but it could come at any moment. And certainly if there's any move by Iran or Syria to cross the border. Now, again, there was this drone sent across the border a few days ago that Israel shot down. That's an indication that they are going to take the offensive against Israel. But uh, the fighting is going on between the Sunni Muslim rebel groups in Kenetra and their allies and the Syrian and Iranian and Hezbollah forces, but with Russian backing. So Israel's not directly involved yet, but they're right there along the border. They're expecting there will be trouble, and uh, they've said if there's any move any further, any closer to the Israeli border, either on the ground, and certainly if there's any air infiltration, and that's what they're most worried about, of course, because that can happen at any moment and come from any direction, then we will be at full war, and that is the expectation, frankly, of the Israeli establishment, the military establishment, from what I'm hearing. Well, as I understand it, Kenetra, two and a half miles away from the Israeli border. I mean, you're right there. Almost you could take a slingshot and hit somebody over there that far or that close, actually. Uh, this is a much concern. Just refresh everybody's thinking about Kenetra. That was an abandoned city because of the Six-Day War, was it not? Exactly. It's been abandoned all these years, and it's part of the UNIFIL area. The United Nations has forces stationed there as a buffer between Israel and Syria, and has had those for many decades. But this is a total violation of Syria's commitment not to put its forces into that zone, Jimmy. They say, oh, well, we're just cleaning up. We have these rebels that have taken over, even though it was an abandoned city. They set up operations there, basically, and took advantage of the fact that there were no Syrian forces there from the beginning of the revolt. 
Pickett in 2011, and uh, they're there today, but the fighting is heavy. It is right next to the border. The Syrians are not supposed to be in there by the U.N. Uh, ceasefire agreements. They're there. Iran is there. Hezbollah fighters are there, and Russian planes are operating right there along the border, Jimmy. It's an extremely tense situation, and of course, it's likely to be the main topic that President uh, Trump addresses with Putin when they meet on Monday. You know, it's also very, very interesting that we're coming seemingly to the conclusion of the Civil War. It's a seven-year war that's been going on somewhere in the area between 500,000 and 700,000 Syrians killed in this conflict. And Bashar Assad now is probably going to have to change the focus, not on staying on top of the rebels and defeating them ultimately, but now to turn his forces against the Jewish people in the state of Israel. I hear reports that he's going to have to really be determined to make the Syrians hate Israel again so they can have a conflict which fits, of course, right into Bible prophecy. Well, the Syrian army is made up mostly of members of the minority group that Assad is a part of, the Alawites. So there's very few Sunni soldiers in it, relatively speaking, compared to the fact that they're 70% of the country's population. They will obey whatever orders they get, and Syria wouldn't be able to do this, Jimmy. They would not be able to even threaten Israel right now, because they have suffered a lot of losses in the conflict, their own internal conflict, if it wasn't for the presence of Russia and Iran. That is the key factor, and that is what may embolden them to take this move and possibly fulfill some biblical prophecy in the process. David, you and I have talked about the desire of a group of Jews, mostly Orthodox, very religious Jews, which have been working for over 25 years trying to make preparations to put a temple up on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. Now, I know that is a hot spot, a hot issue. If indeed Israel tried to take down that gold dome building, the Dome of the Rock, there on the Temple Mount, that would really spark World War III, I'm sure, the Islamic world coming into Israel to doing what they need to do to stop that. However, the prime minister this last week made a decision to allow some of the political leaders of Israel, in particular the members of the Knesset, to go up onto the Temple Mount and be able to visit that very sacred site. And now the right-wing politicos in Israel are simply dreaming of the fact of a third temple on Jerusalem's Temple Mount. That looks closer and closer, does it not? Well, Jimmy, every time we've had a major Arab-Israeli bust-up, by major I mean the 67 war, the 48 war, the 73 Yom Kippur war, we've had major changes on the ground. And it just could be in the midst of this coming war, it seems to be coming, that there will be some changes on the ground in Jerusalem. Who knows what's going to happen? It could happen by stray bombs from the other side. It could happen inside of Israel. It could be anything. But uh, there may be some physical changes up on the Temple Mount as a result of any war that uh, strikes the whole country, and that is a very real possibility. So thus that would then lead to that dream coming true from the right-wing Israelis who want that temple on the Temple Mount. Well, it certainly would open the door for that possibility. And, you know, again, it's not Israel starting this war. It hasn't started any of the wars. It's been attacked. Once again, it's threatened with attack. If in the midst of that, it, like it took Jerusalem in 67, 
it really takes the Temple Mount this time, or there's a physical change up there because of the action that goes on, well, then the door will be open. Yes, absolutely. And all the preparations have been made. All the projects set to be fulfilled. If that Dome of the Rock should come down or whatever the activities, we'll stay on top of this story for you because it is a part of the prophetic scenario for the end times. David Dolan is a man long service in the Middle East, over 30 years as a journalist, helping us to better understand the current events unfolding in this key region of our world. David, thank you so very much, my good friend. We'll talk again next week. Thank you, Jimmy. God bless. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, Winky Madad is standing by. We're going to be talking about the Vladimir Putin-Donald Trump meeting and also the meetings prior to that with the Prime Minister of Israel and the King of Jordan. That's all ahead right here on Prophecy Today. Have you ever wanted to visit Israel and trace the footsteps of Jesus? With Rick and Jim's VIP trips, you'll see Israel past, present, and prophetic. Our VIP trips are typically smaller groups of 8 to 12 people. This smaller group size allows us to spend more one-on-one time answering your questions and personalizing our tour. It is a very intimate experience. You'll visit each site with Bible in hand as we take the time not to only visit the sites, but to help you understand their importance to our biblical heritage and to our prophetic future. We will place special emphasis on the eternal city of Jerusalem, the most important city in the world, and the place from where Jesus will rule and reign one day. We can also customize our trip for your family or small group. Please call Joshua Travel today and see how we can make your trip extra special. Call 423-821-3635 or visit us online at joshuatravel.com. Welcome back to Prophecy Today. I'm Jimmy DeYoung. Thank you for joining us for this 90 minutes of information. Actually coming from our broadcast partners across the world as we talk with them about current events. And then, of course, we bring it all together when I take a look at the book and we realize how these current events are actually setting the stage for Bible prophecy to be fulfilled. Right now, as I said, around the world, we're going to Shiloh, Israel. It's in the center part of the state. It's one of those Jewish communities, or sometimes referred to as a Jewish settlement. And there lives our great friend and broadcast partner, Winky Madad. And Winky, let me get underway. I wanted to ask you this question anyway, but you told me during the break that yesterday you had an opportunity to meet briefly with Benjamin Netanyahu. Now, I know he had just returned from his visit and meeting with Vladimir Putin there in Moscow. Did he give you any information as to what the president of Russia had to say? Well, Jimmy, uh, I want to make clear to you and the listeners, it's not that I have a personal pipeline into the Netanyahu office, although he does know me. But on Thursday, we had the anniversary memorial of the passing of Vladimir Zev Jabotinsky, who was the leader of one of the main streams of Zionism called Revisionism. He was the ideological mentor of Begin and actually of Netanyahu as well. And his father, Ben Netanyahu, uh, was a personal secretary 
of Jabotinsky in 39 and 1940. But it wasn't a situation where I had the opportunity to sit down and talk things over with him. He passed by. He recognized me. He raised his eyebrows. We shook hands and smiled. He said hello. But I couldn't get enough information that might help you in any sort of question you might ask me about what Mr. Netanyahu was thinking. Well, of course, I know. And the reason we started this way, dear friends, is that on Monday, there is going to be a meeting in Helsinki, Finland, between President Donald Trump of the United States, of course, and the President of Russia, Vladimir Putin. Prior to that, though, he met with Benjamin Netanyahu, Prime Minister of Israel, and also King Abdullah there in Jordan. Now, Winky, just without having absolute word from the Prime Minister, tell me what you think they probably were discussing both with the president of Russia having talks with Netanyahu and King Abdullah of Jordan. Jimmy, it's almost too complex with all humility, even for me. We have a situation in Syria, besides the tremendous loss of life that no one, in my opinion, really cares about, unfortunately. I think it's hundreds of thousands of people who have been killed, wounded, Millions have been spread across Syria and Middle East and into Europe and into the United States even. This tragedy it continues because Soviet Union is supporting Syria, but now Iran is moving in. Turkey has started moving in from the north, and the rest of the people there have nowhere to go except towards either Israel, and we are taking care of, and I hope the listeners are aware of the fact that medical assistance, including operations, and treatment and putting up in hospitals is being done for severe cases across the Golan Heights. And some of the refugees are moving south into Jordan, and Jordan doesn't want any more. They have enough from Iraq for the past 10 years or so. So everything is moving together, both from a security and humanitarian viewpoint. So Jordan has an interest, Israel has an interest, and it seems Mr. Denial has a very good relationship yeah, on a personal level, he invited him immediately out to Moscow and even put him up at a game of the World Cup football, or I should say soccer for the Americans here. So obviously they're talking a lot of stuff about what to do with Iran, what to do with refugees, and what to do with Assad, besides everything else going on. Yeah, besides everything else that's happening in this world. Oh, Vladimir Putin, sly as a fox, getting his ducks in a row as it relates to the Middle East. But I know he's already made the statement that a pullout of the Iranian troops out of Syria is unrealistic. So I know that will probably be at the top of the agenda between Trump and Putin. Does not look like it's going to be a possibility, does it? Well, if I was in Netanyahu's shoes, or at least an assistant at his elbow, I would be urging him to say, listen, Vladimir, it's going to be impossible for me not to use military force if Iran moves further into Syria. I will try as much as possible not to hit any Russian troops, specifically also perhaps Syrian installations, unless Iran is involved with them. But I have a security problem with Iran because it's not a question of territory. It's not a question of the old Arab-Israel so-called conflict. They don't want us around. Iran has made it very, very clear that we don't exist after they win. Not a question of how much we lose. We lose everything. And so 
I'm going to have to do something. So either we coordinate this, or you perhaps even help me out by restraining Iran as much as possible. But this is the roadmap, if I can use a borrowed phrase, that the situation dictates at this moment in time, and I'd like to talk to you as much as possible. And I presume, getting back to your first question, Mr. Trump and his aides, the Secretary of State and, and, and National Security Advisor, will probably be trying to do basically the same thing. In this world, we cannot dictate any longer, especially when you're talking to dictatorships who don't take things very well, to reach understandings. You know, it is pretty serious, the situation I'm hearing from that part of the world, you probably are better on top of it than I am, is that Iran and Hezbollah are setting up a terror infrastructure there in the Syrian Golan Heights. I mean the Golan Heights extending north into Syria itself. So this is becoming a major threat that Israel is going to have to deal with. Of course, the motivation for the meeting between Putin and Netanyahu. That's true uh, because of the fact that, unfortunately, our past experience has been logic, rationale, and cogent thinking of, a, of logic is not on the books for the Arabs, especially in dealing with Israel. How many times on this program we discussed that there was a disengagement? You would think that the Hamas would be satisfied with getting the entire Gaza Strip, no Jewish communities, international aid. No, they go off and they keep on shooting off their rockets and stuff. That Iranian forces or Hezbollah forces sneaking in undercover in Golan and then striking out at the northern Galil is very logical for us. It's like it will not not happen. That's the way it will go. And if Putin can influence, and if Mr. Netanyahu is hooked up in understanding this with Mr. Trump, at least the two of them, who amazingly, Jimmy, are turning out to be the best, strongest, and forceful a democratic world leaders on the stage today, Netanyahu and Trump, then maybe something can happen. But they've got to give it a try. They've got to do their best for all citizens of both countries and whether or not Europe or other countries like it for themselves as well. Thank you. Am I overstating the fact that uh, at Israel's northern border there was Syria? This is a major threat at this time in history. Jimmy, yes, in a word. I'll give it. We just had two patriots shooting down drones because we don't know if they're armed or what type of armament is in them. You know, drones today can carry a payload of maybe even 100 kilograms, 200 pounds, depending on, on what exactly what make of the drone. These are not the things you fly around in your backyard anymore, Jimmy. To use a Patriot missile, which costs, I don't know, more than a million dollars at least <laughs> on a drone that's very small, uh, so uh, obviously we're taking it very seriously. Obviously there are moves that are probing Israel, that are seeing where our defenses act and how fast and how and where. This is an ongoing um, situation, and I know most of the people listening to us have a little bit of knowledge listening to you and I over the weeks and years that we've been talking, but not too many people do, and therefore they're surprised that a war breaks out or a and hostile activity breaks out. You know, they have no context. They have no continuum of understanding the forces at work here. But the fact is, if they would read the ancient Jewish prophets, they would see these particular key players mentioned 
uh, by these prophets with an end-time scenario that looks like it's upon us. Uh, most likely the case, would you not say? Well, the, the most famous verse is, uh, you know, trouble comes out of the north. This has always been a calling card for Israel's army and security apparatus. The Lebanese, Syrian, Iranian sort of sweep, I hope the people understanding the geography that you and I are talking about, is a very dangerous one, uh, especially if Russia continues to support almost blindly the uh, Syrian dictator who gets himself in trouble with Turkey and, the, and Iran for, on our expense. And, of course, Wink and I have read the last chapter. We know that God will intercede to protect the Jewish people. Winky, very important information. So glad you got to meet briefly, if it be the case, there with Netanyahu. And thank you so much for this very informative report. I appreciate it so much, buddy. We'll talk again soon. Jimmy, thank you very much. Goodbye to you and our listeners. Very important and interesting conversation with Winky Madad. And the meetings, of course, with Vladimir Putin, having conversations with two major players in the Middle East, Prime Minister Netanyahu of Israel and King Abdullah of Jordan. This is an interesting time in our world today. We'll stay on top of all of this information for you. And, in fact, we're going to another region of the world where it's been very active as we've had our president, President Donald Trump, there in the European Union with some very interesting meetings as well. Uh, this was a special time. It was the NATO summit, and John Rood comes to our broadcast table, long time living in Brussels, Belgium, where the meeting did take place. Uh, they were discussing a lot of things at the NATO meeting, and President Trump pretty provocative in some of what he had to say, was he not, John? Certainly, there's been a big concern from President Trump, of course, in the United States, about the role in NATO, particularly the financial contributions. So even on the way to the summit, the president was tweeting about the imbalances. The uh, European hierarchy is very interested to keep the status quo, and President Trump He's very consistent at pointing out the inconsistencies, and they really don't know quite how to uh, handle all of this. But now we see from the summit a uh, conclusion, which I believe our broadcast is particularly interested. The uh, European Commission was instructed to increase by 2% their military spending to a total of 4%, but this actually plays into the hands of the European Union because, of course, their interest is to build a EU army. It was December of last year, 25 of the 28 EU members, they announced that they'll participate jointly in military projects. And so now, through this new initiative, it's highly likely that the, fine, the extra finance will be there for an EU military initiative that gains implementation because of the threat to the NATO setup as the way it is right now. Quite interesting. During the summit, the Russians were in the Mediterranean holding a Navy missile drill right at the same time of the summit. We're all aware of the fact that NATO was actually established to protect the European Union 
from the threat of Russia. Looks like the Russians wanted to be heard during that NATO sermon, does it not? Yes, indeed. There have been some exercises. The United States had had uh, joint exercises in the eastern Mediterranean with France, of course. But now uh, the United States has actually pulled out of the region in an apparent conciliatory action. Simultaneously now, the Russian military is doing missile drills in the region, simultaneously at the time of the NATO summit and the Putin talks which with Trump uh, and Netanyahu happening very, very soon. So it, it's a continuation. And then to add to that as well, there's a notable uh, Russian military buildup in Kaliningrad, which is a Russian enclave that most people are not aware of. If you'll get out a map of Europe, you'll actually discover there's an enclave of Russia which is uh, on the border between Poland and Lithuania, completely cut off from the rest of Russia, 300 miles away, 70 miles from uh, Belarus. There's been a very notable buildup there, and it appears that they've been fortifying the nuclear assets there. Yeah, and that was found and shown on satellite, was it not, to help everybody be aware of what's going on? Exactly. It was a satellite that gave that information. Kaliningrad is a very peculiar place because it's completely cut off from Russia. It's a highly strategic place, and the mentality of the residents are very much traveling to Europe. It cannot be uh, something forgotten in terms of EU and Russia relations, and it's often a point of contention how to work with the transits and the visas in that situation. Also, at the same time, with the president, not only at the NATO summit meeting, he had a meeting with European Union members as well, and then went over and met with Theresa May, the prime minister there in Great Britain. She's having some difficulty. One of her major players in her cabinet, Boris Johnson, has resigned. He was the foreign minister, similar to our secretary of state. What does that mean? Now, we always have focused on Israel and the European Union, but as it relates to the United Kingdom and Israel, what does that mean with the resignation of Boris Johnson? This is a huge development and uh, was actually quite surprising. Uh, Can't be underestimated the ramifications of what is going to happen will most likely happen quickly. Boris Johnson, as you said, the foreign secretary, now has has left. The reason was because Theresa May had submitted her plan for a what we're terming uh, terminology is as a soft Brexit. And so the Conservative Party in England has divided over the Brexit issue. This is going to get more and more in the forefront of what's happening, but it actually is a point where people have pulled out. The Brexit negotiator has resigned. Boris Johnson has resigned as foreign secretary. He was the previous mayor of, of London. He wrote a tremendous book on Winston Churchill, which I would recommend to everyone. His replacement is the health secretary, Jeremy Hunt, who's now the U.K.'s new foreign secretary. Now, uh, as you mentioned, the relationship with Israel Boris Johnson in the past has been very pro-Israel, and he has been outspoken in that area, which, as we know, 
in today's European Union is quite rare. So I believe that the new Foreign Secretary, Jeremy Hunt, is actually under somewhat pressure to keep the conservative stance, which were, in a sense, precedent from Boris Johnson. Now, of course, if they go back and see everything that he has done, um, not everything has been favorable to Israel and position with Israel. But the overriding factor here is that the United Kingdom has identified Israel as one of their trade priorities because of Brexit. And they actually issued a white paper identifying Israel formally as a post-Brexit trade priority. So that will probably gain the stance, and I believe the new foreign secretary will conform somewhat to the pro-Israel views from Mr. Johnson. I know people listening into this conversation say, why in the world do we need to have an understanding of the political situation there in the United Kingdom, and in particular, a relationship with Israel? Well, dear friends, politics does set the stage for Bible prophecy to be fulfilled. When you look at all that's happening, you realize who the players are in the end times. You can recognize the importance of us talking about these political situations setting the stage for Bible prophecy to be fulfilled. And a man who was so good at helping us to understand all these political activities in the European Union, John Rood, the man who covers that for us here on Prophecy Today. John, a very valuable service you offer to us. Thank you so very much. We'll have a conversation again next week. Thank you. There's a lot happening this particular month, and we're on it. Yes, amen. Praise the Lord for that. Well, we're going to now go to Jim Jr., who is here at the broadcast table with me. One of my favorite portions of the broadcast is Prophecy Q&A. When you, the listeners, send us a question, Jim Jr. will accumulate these questions and then give them to me for an answer from God's Word. So, Jim, let's go ahead with Prophecy Q&A. We've gotten a lot of questions pertaining to the sacrifices, to the Millennial Temple, to this next temple. Could you briefly just uh, maybe the importance of that temple and these blessings and sacrifices and all that, how does that all fit into us as believers? Well, this next temple, according to the book of Daniel, chapter 9 and verse 27, Matthew twenty four fifteen. Revelation chapter 11 and verse 1, and 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 4. The next temple that will be built on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem will be what is called the Tribulation Temple. The scenario for the future is the rapture of the church is the next event to happen, then begins a seven-year period of time. It's terrible judgment upon the earth. God gives, in the fifth chapter of the book of Revelation, the title deed to the earth to his son Jesus Christ. The purpose of that title deed, that sealed book there in chapter 5 of Revelation, contains all 21 of the judgments that unfold during the seven-year period of time. Those judgments are used to bring the earth and earth dwellers under submission so that then God the Father can give his son, Jesus Christ, that millennial kingdom, that thousand-year period of time. Now, over in that thousand-year period of time, to fulfill the Davidic covenant, when God promised King David that there would be a temple on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, and one of his sons, and that, of course, would be the Messiah, Jesus Christ, would rule and reign from that temple, 
That was the promise, the Davidic covenant God gave to the Jewish people, so there has to be a temple there. Mm. Book of Zechariah, chapter 6, verse 12, says that Jesus will build that temple. Verse 13 says he will rule and reign from that temple. And so that's the millennial temple, or the Messiah's temple, as they call it. It's described in the book of Ezekiel, chapters 40 to 46. 202 verses of detailed information about the temple that Jesus Christ will build and then rule and reign from. Prior to that, the other verses I gave you in Daniel, Matthew, Second Thessalonians, and Revelation, talking about the tribulational temple. The Antichrist, Daniel chapter 11 and verse 45, will allow the Jewish people to put up a temple on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. And when that happens, Jim, the sacrificial system will be reintroduced. It says in Daniel chapter 9 and verse 27, And he, the Antichrist, shall confirm a covenant, a peace treaty with many Jewish people and their neighbors for one week, a seven-year period of time. Now then listen. And in the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice to cease. When that temple is up, sacrifices begin once again at the temple. In fact, in the Millennial Temple, chapter 45 of the book of Ezekiel, there will be sacrifices during that time. Those are for memorial, thinking back about what Jesus Christ did. See, sacrifice of animals never took away sin. It simply covered it, or restored relationship, fellowship between the Lord and his people. Well, that's going to happen in the tribulation, also in the millennial kingdom period of time. So there has to be at least two temples in the future, the tribulation temple, the Messiah's temple. Everything is ready. That temple could start to be built at any moment. Only one thing must happen before, and that's the rapture of the church, which indeed could happen at any moment as well. Mm. Sherry sends in a question uh, following along the lines of the rapture. The Bible says we will be changed when we are called up. Besides our bodies... How else will we be changed? Will we still be who we are now, the personality we now have? Look forward to your thoughts on this topic. Again, we're talking about some sanctified speculation here, Sherry, because God doesn't give us all the details. But we can look at what happened after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Did he have a similar personality to the one he had before his death, burial, and resurrection? Well, the answer is yes. You see, the Bible says we will be like him, First John. We who know him as Lord and Savior will be like him. You remember what he did when he went to the Galilee and found a group of his disciples fishing there on the shores of the Sea of Galilee? He prepared breakfast for them, so he ate of a meal. They had sweet fellowship around the the time of eating breakfast there on the shores of the Sea of Galilee. Mm. And we're going to know him. We will still know who we are and who they are. Remember when he walked into the room, the upper room, after walking all the way over to Emmaus with the uh, two men that uh, wanted to ask him questions. And in fact, he taught about himself from the Old Testament and the activities of what happened in the New Testament period of time. But then he went to meet with his disciples, and they recognized him. They knew who he was. He said, don't touch me now. But then later they were able to touch him, and he spent some 40 days with them after the resurrection teaching them. And it was just like before the resurrection. They were in sweet fellowship with the Lord. Uh, That's how we're going to be. That's the best we can understand. Will there be a relationship between husband and wife? Of course there will. Not a sexual relationship, but there's going to be a relationship between children and their parents. And 
uh, parents and their children and others that we have known for many, many years. That's going to be a part of it all. Uh, but the Lord, you know, I think the Lord really doesn't let us have all the information because he knew that we would not be able to comprehend how great it's going to be. Don't worry about it, Sherry. We're going to have the greatest time with our friends and loved ones and, of course, with Jesus Christ throughout eternity future. I do know our personalities will be the same, but uh, I guarantee you all the rough edges will be smoothed over. (laughs) (laughs) Praise the Lord for that. Amen. There's a follow-up question I was just thinking, and I've heard people ask this question. Uh, Do you think that that we're going to have other names, uh, a name that God has given us when we get to heaven? Uh, I don't know what it is. It may not be Jimmy. It may not be James or Ennis or any of our names, Jim. It may not be Junior. Mm-hmm. Uh, but indeed, we have a name written down in heaven. And whatever that name's going to be, the Lord doesn't give us an absolute as to what that name will be. Thank you so much, Dad. And, and everybody, great questions coming in. We appreciate all your questions, and uh, hopefully our answers as we gave them to you will help you clearly understand Scripture. Uh, if you still got a question, bring your Bible, send another question in, a follow-up question. We'll be glad to answer those on the program. If you have a question, send it in to our website, prophecytoday.com, and then send it to Jim Jr. He'll get it. We'll get it on the air and try to answer your question. We're going to take a break right now. When we come back, David James is standing by. Then I'll take a look at the book. It's all ahead right here on Prophecy Today. Hi, everybody. Jimmy DeYoung. Welcome back to the last half hour that we've asked you to give us so we could give you the world through our broadcast partners looking at current events in light of biblical prophecy. They've all come to this broadcast table with their reports, great reports, helping us to understand what is happening. Well, we're going to have one final report. I'll be talking with David James, our weekly conversation, in a moment. He's in Romania, and we're going to be talking about a biblical, prophetic worldview. It's a very important conversation. You do not want to miss it. Also, I would love for you not to miss taking an opportunity to fill out our poll question to answer it. It's on my home page. On the left-hand column, if you'll scroll down, you'll find it. The poll question is this today. Do you believe it's prophetically significant that Russia's President Vladimir Putin has held meetings with the Israeli Prime Minister and King Abdullah of Jordan and then his meeting with President Trump of the United States? Now, all of that in light of Ezekiel chapter 38, have these conversations been prophetic in their preparations for the fulfillment of Bible prophecy? That's the poll question. Please answer it. Send it back into us, if you will. And go to my website, prophecytoday.com. You can find out about our tours. I think we have six or seven tours to Israel. Go to Joshua Travel. That'll be the location to find out all the information that you need to know, the dates, the cost, everything else you need to know about our tours. That's at my website, prophecytoday.com. 
We're now bringing to these microphones David James. We have a weekly conversation focused on an issue that the body of Christ needs to have a biblical understanding of. And so we've made arrangements to get a hold of David James. This week we find him in Romania, a week of ministry there among the young people and the leaders of the Romanian outreach. And he's on his way to Israel for a few days, preparing for the opportunity of joining with Prophecy Today and our team, Jim Jr. and Rick, and they're going to be putting together a tour to Israel in November. Great time to go to Israel. If you need more information, you need to contact us at our website, prophecytoday.com, and there go to Joshua Travel, get all the information, or call Jody at 423-825-6247. She'll help you make arrangements to join us in Israel in November. David James and our two sons leading the tour. It's going to be a great time to visit the land of the Bible. Well, David, I did say you're there in Romania. What about it? How's it been going? Oh, it was great. Had a great week of ministry. We had 50 to 60 young people, and uh, the course that I taught was God's Plan Through the Ages, which was actually the sixth time I've taught that course this year, and the students learned a lot, a lot of teaching about dispensationalism and how God's plan flows through the ages, and then today we wrapped up talking about the end times and did a quick survey of the book of Revelation, which actually kind of sets us up for our discussion today. Yes, and in fact, I've been on the broadcast today having some interesting discussions with our other broadcast partners about several current geopolitical issues. I thought that we could bring some of the biblical perspective to this as we had our conversation, including the importance of having a biblical worldview in these the last days. And I talked about that with the students as well. You know, our worldview is what we believe. It's putting together our philosophy of concerning biblical theology, our understanding of the Word of God. And as we are living in these last days, and as you talk going deeper and deeper into the last days. Uh, we see the setting the stage for prophecies to be fulfilled. As, we, as uh, our listeners know, there are no prophecies that yet need to be fulfilled before the rapture of the Church, but then things start kicking into high gear, and we, you know, the way we live is based upon what we believe, what's happening, what's ahead, for both us and for the world, for those who are left to endure the judgments that are coming and then the Millennial Kingdom, those are all part of shaping our lives. The decisions that we make in the biblical view is quite critical. You know, David, this week, President Trump, this last week, was at NATO's annual summit in Brussels, Belgium. And from a biblical perspective, a prophetic perspective, do you see any significance concerning the relationship between the United States and Europe? Well, I think you and I would agree that we don't see directly the United States mentioned in biblical prophecy, except for the fact that it would be just one among all that will be involved, but not having a particular role like uh, in the way that other nations that are explicitly mentioned in the Word of God. There is a connection between the United States and Europe, and that is related 
to the rapture, and I would just suggest that we kind of start in the in the middle of the tribulation period and and back back up and move toward the rapture. Just a quick overview of what we think is going to happen. We know from Second Thessalonians two uh, and Daniel nine. Uh, 27, that the Antichrist is going to uh, enter into a rebuilt temple, the midpoint of the tribulation, and declare himself to be God. has to be a rebuilt temple, and right now the Dome of the Rock is on the Temple Mount, so something has to happen to allow Israel to rebuild a temple. Uh, We know at the beginning of the tribulation period, Daniel's 70th week, that the Antichrist is going to confirm a treaty, which I believe that will be to protect Israel from her Islamic neighbors. And how is the Antichrist going to do that? Well, he is the prince uh, from the people who would destroy the sanctuary. That happened in 70 A.D., and those were the Romans. So the Antichrist is going to be from the old revived Roman Empire that we read about in Daniel chapter 2, And so what I believe is that as the rapture of the Church is actually going to decimate the United States. Um, More born-again believers as a percentage of the population than any country on the earth, and also high percentages in business and military and politics and government. So I think the rapture is going to decimate the United States, and when that happens, Israel is going to lose her only protector in the world, and the only other region of the world that would be possibly willing to protect her from her Islamic neighbors in that vacuum would be the region of Europe, the old Roman Empire, and there's going to be a man come up out of obscurity, the little horn of Daniel 7, to lead the armies and the political and military might of Europe, the old Roman Empire. You know, I don't think we can hear that scenario laid out as you just did, David. Too many times I want to remind everybody listening to our broadcast, these are the things that are going to happen. And this is the reason, of course, for the direction of this particular discussion. Now, after the visit and the trip into Great Britain, President Trump made his way into Helsinki, Finland, for a meeting with Vladimir Putin. Remind us all of what God's Word has to say about Russia in biblical prophecy. Well, and actually, I believe, connects to the scenario that I just mentioned, which, again, as you said, it's, it's from the Word of God. We're not making this stuff up. And this has to do with the uh, war of Ezekiel 38. If you go to Ezekiel 38, what we find is, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, uh, set your face against Gog of the land of Magog, the prince of Rosh, Meshach, Tubal, and prophesy against him. And what we find is that Magog is uh, an army from the far north, and there is going to be a leader, Gog of Magog. And many Bible scholars believe that from the far north, that has to do uh, with the land of Russia. And what we find is that this man, this leader from the far north, is going to lead an Islamic coalition against the nation of Israel. And what we find is that as we try to establish the timing of when that battle will take place coming against Israel, they are living in unwalled villages. They are living in security. Well, that's not true of Israel today. That won't be true of Israel right after the rapture, but it will be true of Israel once the peace treaty is made by the Antichrist to protect her from the Islamic 
uh, armies. And I think what will happen is since the Dome of the Rock has to come down, that once the, the Islamic nations uh, figure out what is going to go on in order to rebuild the Jewish temple, that under the leadership, a coalition very likely under the leadership of Russia, who is deeply involved in both Syria and Iran, the former Persia, uh, they're going to come against Israel, and God is going to destroy those armies miraculously, but I think that it's very possible that the Antichrist is going to try to take credit for that, and uh, that will set him up to be received by the Jewish people as their uh, Messiah. You know, it's interesting to have David lay out that scenario for us. We could go into more details about it. We also invite you always to be tuned in to prophecytoday.com. That's our website where we look at current events in light of biblical prophecy. So bookmark our website address, prophecytoday.com. Now, David, let's move into the area that I really wanted you to discuss with us. I mean, we need this background that you've just given us. But how knowledgeable do you think the average believer is about what the Bible has to say about the things we been discussing, and that these things are a part of their worldview. What are your thoughts there? Well, as I travel around the world, I find that Bible prophecy isn't taught very much and that really don't understand even the, the most rudimentary aspects of biblical scenario that we have been discussing as we do every week. And I, I think it's really uh, a tragedy, and I think that you and I and, and other Bible teachers who take this seriously have a big task before us, uh, but I think each believer needs to take responsibility for himself to come up to speed on these things. You know, David, it seems that a lot of people aren't all that interested in Bible prophecy, and not many pastors teach about it anymore. Do you think it's possible for someone to have a fully biblical worldview without this knowledge? I really don't, because it leaves this gap. The Word of God is made up of prophecy, a huge percentage of it. And so we have to understand fulfilled prophecy, uh, and we take that very seriously, so we have to take equally seriously uh, future yet unfulfilled prophecy in order to have a, an understanding of the full counsel of God. And uh, as we think about living our lives from day to day, sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, preparing them to be ready for the rapture of the Church so they're not behind to go through the judgments that await, the terrible judgments that await the earth, and, and as well as having the, the great hope that we will be with our Lord forever and spare these judgments, and then we will return with Him and join Him in the Millennial Kingdom, ruling alongside Him as heirs and joint heirs. It has a tremendous effect on what, what we believe and how we live. David, let's be real practical as we conclude our conversation. What are a few suggestions that you would give about how to have a more biblical worldview, including a good understanding of the times in which we are living? I think that one of the things is to develop a biblical method of interpretation where you take the Bible literally, and Roy Sook wrote a basic Bible interpretation that would help people to understand that. Uh, there's books out there on uh, proper Bible study methods, and I will encourage our, our listeners to uh, get some of those books. And a lot of people read the Bible, but not a lot of people study it. And then I would suggest that they do it every week to listen to you as you bring a biblical perspective to the current event 
uh, in light of biblical prophecy. I think it's a great service that you're offering your listeners. Well, it's our joy and privilege, and we so appreciate the input and impact that you have on our listeners as we discuss these issues. A proper biblical prophetic worldview is an absolute for each and every Christian. So glad and thrilled that you had the opportunity there in Romania among those young people. We need to reach the young people. And, uh, of course, the old people, the older they get, I can give testimony. We are more interested about the coming and the rapture of the church. Rather see the upper taker than the undertaker. David, uh, watch yourself as you travel. Thank you for being a part of a ministry among young people in this world. And thank you for the insight you gave us today on the broadcast. We'll do it again next week. Great to be with you. All right. We're going to take a break right now, dear friends. We're going to have a, a short message or two for you. Then I'll come back and I'll take a look at the book. It's all ahead right here on Prophecy Today. Hey everyone, this is Dave James with the Alliance for Biblical Integrity. You hear me each week discussing current theological issues with Jimmy DeYoung on the Prophecy Today weekend broadcast. We founded the Alliance for Biblical Integrity because we saw a need for an apologetics and discernment ministry that would be an important resource for local churches, schools, and ministry organizations that face ever-changing theological challenges in today's world. I teach many different courses and seminars in the United States and around the world and can tailor the seminars for Sunday schools, Bible studies, and church services, and the courses for weekend conferences of 6 to 10 hours. For more information, you can go to the ABI website at biblicalintegrity.org. That's one word, biblicalintegrity.org, and click on Courses and Seminars on the main menu. You can also contact me personally through the contact page on the ABI website. I look forward to hearing from you. Every believer needs to understand Bible prophecy. Whether you're a novice or a student, we are here to help you. Just visit prophecytoday.com and click on the link for the Prophecy Bookstore. There you will find a large selection of CD sets, DVDs, and books for the Bible prophecy student written by Dr. Jimmy DeYoung and other prominent scholars. While you're there, be sure to check out Dr. DeYoung's latest series called Presidents, Politics, and Prophecy. This series examines how God has used human leaders in general, and specifically the last seven U.S. presidents, to set the stage for Bible prophecy to be fulfilled. This was shot on location in Washington, D.C., and is a Available on DVD or as a 10-hour audio series on CD. Be sure to check back often for special deals. You can visit prophecytoday.com and click on Bookstore, or you can go directly to prophecybookstore.com. It's time right now here on Prophecy Today for us to take a look at the book. On Prophecy Today weekend, our broadcast partners with reports on NATO, European Union, the Putin-Trump summit, conflict at Israel's northern border, and how a Christian can develop a biblical prophetic worldview. This information is all key to our understanding of the times in which we are living. In a moment, I will rehearse for you what the broadcast partners had to say. 
If you had to miss any of them, let me tell you that you can go to my website, prophecytoday.com, go to PTRN, Prophecy Today Radio Network, and you can re-listen or listen for the very first time to any of these reports from these outstanding broadcast partners. Now, let me tell you how you can hear these again if you'd like to, or call a friend and tell them they need to go to this location and listen to them. The location, prophecytoday.com. Then when you have my website, go to PTRN, Prophecy Today Radio Network, and you'll be able to find a complete audio copy of the entire broadcast. Again, the website, prophecytoday.com. Go to PTRN, and there you will find our broadcast partners. Let me take a moment and rehearse the reports from our broadcast partners, and then also give you a prophetic perspective on the news today. We went to Ken Timmerman, and we discussed the Trump-Putin summit and the fact that on Monday these two world leaders will get together. There are many who oppose this meeting, both in the Democratic and also the Republican Party, and there are even some world leaders that think the president should not be sitting down to the table and discussing world events with Vladimir Putin. He is a killer. He is also a dictator, etc., etc. That's what they have to say. But when we look at the prophetic scenario that is found in God's Word, you have to recognize that Russia, now they're referred to as Magog in the book of Ezekiel chapter 38 and verse 2, that Russia leads an alignment of nations. That's what Ezekiel 38 is about. And when you put together Psalm 83 and Daniel chapter 11, you see all the players that will be involved and Russia will be the leader of this coalition trying to wipe Israel off the face of the earth, as it says there in Psalm 83 and verse 4, Russia key to what is happening in the future. David Dolan talked to us, and he gave us his Middle East news update. And speaking of Russia, a partner with Russia will be Iran, Ezekiel 38 and verse 5. And now they are perched in Syria at Israel's northern border. And the general in charge there, the number two in the Iranian Revolutionary Guard, They are embedded in Syria awaiting orders to move into Israel and eradicate the Jewish state. Iran is a key member of that alignment of nations that I was talking about. Let me give you that verse of scripture. Write it down. Study it. Ezekiel chapter 38 and verse 5. Now, Iran, at the position where they are, two and a half miles north of the Israeli-Syrian border, they're there and they have their military forces. They've been joined by their surrogate terrorist organization, Hezbollah, Bashar Assad, with his military operation under his complete control. Bashar Assad's forces are there in Kanetra. That is the head of the Golden Heights located south of that border into Israel. They are ready, awaiting orders to attack and then eradicate the Jewish state. This is a prophetic scenario that is one of the major trends and talked about in many locations in Bible prophecy. Winky Madad, a longtime friend and broadcast partner, told us why it is important to Israel that the Prime Minister of Israel, Benjamin Netanyahu, was able to get together 
with Vladimir Putin, president of Russia, before the president of Russia will meet with the president of the United States. The Trump-Putin summit is key. Israel wants to know what is going on wants to be a part of giving input into the Russian leadership, and of course that input already given to the U.S. leadership, because they know that what does come out of that summit between the United States and Russia is key to the security of the Jewish state of Israel. World events unfolding amazingly in our day, setting the stage for Bible prophecy to be fulfilled. Now that is evident also when we talked with John Rood. He gave us a report on NATO and the meeting that took place in Brussels this last week, how the president, Donald Trump, put the pressure on NATO to pay up, help support this military protection, actually, originated for the purpose of protecting the European Union from Russia itself. How key it is that this meeting took place. It was strategically planned by the Trump administration. He needed to have NATO strongly backing him as he goes into this meeting with Vladimir Putin. Very strategic move made by the president. But also, remember, I said this when we were talking with John, Politics in our world today setting the stage for prophecy to be fulfilled. By the way, Jim Jr. came to the broadcast table to assist us in helping our listeners have an opportunity to have a question that we would respond to here on Prophecy Today weekend. If you have one of those questions, send it to our website, prophecytoday.com. Put attention, Jim Jr. will put it on the air and give you an answer on a future broadcast. And then a very informative conversation with David James, how the Bible gives us a biblical background and prophecy as well for having a proper biblical prophetic worldview. This is a necessity. You need and I need to continue to study the Word of God to understand God's plan at this time in history. And when you do that, my dear friend, there's only one basic conclusion that you can come to, and that is that all that is prophesied in the Word of God, and what we've discussed on the broadcast today, is about at that time of fulfillment. Only one thing keeping all of these prophecies from being fulfilled, and that's the rapture of the church. And the rapture, actually, could happen at any moment, then the prophecies will be fulfilled. And because of the fact that I said the rapture can happen at any moment, there's basically nothing else that I could say, except let's keep looking up until. Thank you so much for joining us today. This is Jay Johnson inviting you to join us again next week for more of Prophecy Today.